Yo, this is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 123. Yes, as I've said the last couple of episodes, this one's a bit more of just kind of a regular episode. The next one is going to be uh, part two of my kind of in memoriam uh, theme that I did a few episodes ago. Uh, So there was just kind of too many to fit into one episode, so I've split it into two. So you can look forward to that themed one uh, coming up for episode 124. All right, let's get right into this thing. We're going to the USA out of Florida, the uh, very famous Florida death metal scene from back in the day. Originally formed in 84, this is Morbid Angel, and uh, of course they were hugely inspirational inspirational to so many... um, bands that came out of that scene and beyond of course uh, and even kind of the black metal scene as well uh, just because of the subject matter and things like that uh, with their lyrics kind of influenced some of the black metal bands as well um yeah i think what inspired me to put them on this episode was listening to um listening to slash watching um one of the newer podcasts from uh, alan averill from Primordial, every now and again he'll do these uh, these little videos on his YouTube channel where he's kind of rating uh, the discographies of, of different, not rating, but just discussing the discographies of different uh, kind of influential bands from back in the day. So he's done oh, all your kind of big name ones, your Bathory, and I think he even did Coroner, and he's done, he's done lots of them. Um, but he kind of took a break from them for a little while, and then he kind of came out with one fairly recently about Morbid Angel talking about their discography. I, I mean, I love Steve Tucker, um, so I kind of have an affinity for those albums. Uh, you know, I like the majority of this discography, but uh, you could tell that he, when he's talking about the discography, he really only pays attention to the David Vincent era, that first David Vincent era, and then everything since then, he's kind of, you know not uh, super enthused about but uh, I like a lot of those Steve Tucker records but anyways after watching that it just kind of made me go back and listen to uh, more Morbid Angel and I felt like putting it on the episode so here we go I'm playing something off of the debut Altars of Madness Uh, even though they did record a debut album prior to this it kind of didn't get released at the time it got released later on um so this i still consider to be the proper debut here after they got pete sandoval in the band and no more mike browning and david vincent was there so yeah it all came together and um the album was altars of madness of course came out in september of 89 um they've done nine records now at this point i'm really itching for another one because the last one was a nice return to form as far as being a straight up death metal album but um I, I want more of that. <laughs> it's been several, several years now since that one came out. Um, so who knows if we'll get a 10th record or not. But this one came out in 89 through Earache Records. And um, I know I played something off of it on uh, uh, an older episode, but I want to say it was uh, the opening cut off of it. So I'm going to play another one of my favorites off of this one. There are several. There are several excellent tunes on this debut, so this one uh, is definitely one of my favorites and some really memorable riffs and memorable sections. So here we go. Off of Altars of Madness, this is Morbid Angel with Maze of Torment.
There we go. That was Morbid Angel from Florida with Maze of Torment. Uh, all right, we're moving on to Denmark here. I actually had no idea that they were from Denmark. Um, this is a thrash band that I first heard about through one of the Facebook groups that I used to be a part of. I had to, I had to bow out because I was just getting way too many notifications and I tended to see things about the same bands over and over again. So I felt like I'd kind of seen all I needed to see. So I left the group. But the band is called Impalers, and um, they existed from 07 to 2019. I don't think they have formally disbanded, but they're just kind of um, officially listed as on hold at the moment. So no idea if they're planning on reactivating or not, uh, but time will tell. I actually did not even know they were on hold until I was making my notes for the episode. But yes, they are um, one of the better bands of the kind of modern thrash um, style, because of course in kind of the mid-2000s there... There was kind of this revival uh, of thrash that just kind of has been going strong ever since. It just kind of came back into fashion. But uh, they're kind of one of those bands that uh, they still kind of definitely have their roots in classic thrash, but they have much more modern uh, production. Everything's really crystal clear and wall of sound and just punchy and in your face. Um, they're not my favorite of the modern thrash bands. There's several others that I think make perhaps more memorable songs, but they are very good. They're a very tight band. 
um, and they've put out some great records. So they only have three. Uh, again, they existed from 07 to 2019, but they only have uh, three records. The debut came out in 2013, and uh, I'm going to play something off of that. The album is called Power Behind the Throne, and that came out through a label called Horror, Pain, Gore, Death Productions. Pretty interesting name there. I'm not sure. I meant to actually check out the label and see if there's anything else that I've heard of that they've released, because I've never heard of that label before. But, um, but yes, as I said, this came out in 2013, and it's their debut out of three. So... Um, the last album they released to me was a little bit too pristine and punchy and stuff. It just kind of lacked the, uh, the grit that I look for, uh, in these kind of more modern thrash bands. You know, you, you can have it modern and still sound kind of ugly. And I like that. Um, but this one sounds pretty good to me, this debut. So here we go. I'm going to play the title track here. So off of Power Behind the Throne, this is Impalers with Power Behind the Throne.
there we go. Ooh, that sounded like it was clipping for a second there. Sorry about that. Um, that was Impalers from Denmark with Power Behind the Throne. Uh, yeah, pretty good. They're Again, they're probably top ten for me, but not top five for kind of more modern thrash stuff. Um, all right, we're going to Germany here, and I feel embarrassed to say that I actually thought this band was Dutch for ever until <laughs> until recently can't believe it because they're such a classic band but that band is Morgoth and they existed originally from 87 to 98 and then uh, regrouped in 2010 and kept things going until uh, 2020 before they finally said that they were officially done for good uh, of course never say never um yeah I, I first heard them god I don't know maybe 20 10 maybe sooner maybe 2008 or so um but yeah i really really liked them they were kind of in that same maybe the reason i thought they were dutch is because i kind of learned about them and pestilence at around the same time so it was probably like 2008 um and yeah you know pestilence being being dutch um I just kind of lumped them all together there, but yes, that's when I first heard Morgoth and really uh, liked it, really liked the vocals. It had a real kind of savage um, energy to it, because I ended up getting a um, compilation of theirs from this little street vendor in Oslo when I was there in 2011. Um, just a whole tables and tables of CDs, and I was just kind of perusing through, and uh, I remember got, I got an enslaved CD, like an original copy of, uh, of Eld, and then um, found this compilation of Morgoth, um, and I can't remember exactly what it was called, but I think it had a couple of EPs just kind of stuck together in one release. Um, but it was really cool, and it turns out it was uh, a lot of much older stuff, like kind of from their way earlier days when they had just done some demos and some EPs and stuff. So this is pre-debut um, of the debut. So now. By the time they reached the debut, it was still very aggressive and very savage, as I said, and then from there they kind of got a little more um, nuanced, a little more technical, but they're not in a... I mean, they didn't go tech death or anything, but they got a little more creative with their timing and things like that. Um, and then they kind of lost the plot there in the mid-90s and put out a pretty, uh, pretty dismal album back in 95, 96, around there. And then that's when they called it quits in 98. But I'm going to play something off of the debut, which is uh, one that's generally looked upon positively because it's an excellent record. Their first couple really are uh, are really good. Um, you know, Mark Grew, the, the vocalist, I always loved his voice. Towards the end there, they released one final album. Uh, I can't, God, I can't remember what year that was, 20... 14 maybe I'm not entirely sure but um, they got a different vocalist they kicked out Mark Grew and they got a different guy who sounds very similar to him but uh, the album itself was pretty good it could have used some faster songs on it it was mostly kind of mid mid tempo but uh, it was actually a pretty good you know final release for them but as I said we're going back to the debut album called Cursed from 1991 that came out through Century Media Records and uh, yeah, this album is really kind of them at their best, uh, in my opinion. So here we go. I can't remember if they did a music video for this one or not. I want to say they did. Uh, so you might want to check that out on YouTube. But here we go off the debut album, Cursed. This is Morgoth with Suffer Life. <laughs>
was Morgoth with Suffer Life off of their debut album Cursed. Um, Alright, we're staying in Germany here for this next one. This band uh, formed in 2013 and they're still going right now. And they are doing some mighty fine 
classic sounding speed metal-ish type stuff. Uh, the band is Diabolic Night. And they released a demo and an EP back in 2014. Uh, their debut album did not come out until 2019, and that's kind of where we stand right now. It took them a while to get that full length out. But it is quite good. Um, what made me check that out was just kind of the fact that they're on High Roller Records. It's a good label. Every now and again, I just kind of check around the rosters of some of these labels and see kind of what their new releases are that they're pushing, or uh, if there's any bands on there that I haven't heard or checked out or whatever. Um, and I do, and I had heard of this band. Uh, I don't know that I actually heard the music. I feel like I have, but I couldn't tell you where from. Um, but yeah, I saw that they released this debut and, um, and checked it out and really enjoyed it. So here we go. The debut album, as I said, came out in November of 2019 through High Roller Records. It's called Beyond the Realm. And yeah, this is just some good kind of thrashy, speed metal-ish, you know, classic sounding stuff. And they do it really well. So there's a lot of bands doing that these days. There's been a pretty good resurgence of that style. Um, so it's kind of uh, heavily saturated at the moment, that subgenre. But, um, but they do a really good job of it. So here we go. Off of Beyond the Realm, this is Diabolic Night with Crescent Moon Rise.
we have it. That is Diabolic Night from Germany with Crescent Moon Rise off of their album Beyond the Realm. It's a good record, so if you're into that subgenre, as many people seem to be these days, um, they're worth checking out if you if you dug that song and you just haven't heard anything else of theirs. I suggest diving in and listen to the full record. Um, all right, we're going back to the USA here out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's a two-man band. Uh, it's been going since 2018. I first heard them back in 2018 uh, on their debut album, and then totally their second album totally passed me by. The band is Inexorum, and um, it's really good, kind of nature-inspired. Um, it just kind of, it's hard to really describe, but it kind of has that American nature-based black metal vibe to it that's been kind of uh, very popular over the last decade or so. And um, But they have a little bit more flashy guitar work. They have some really good guitar work going on. It's not, you know, your straightforward black metal type stuff. But yeah, like I said, the second album came and went. I didn't even notice. Um, so it wasn't until my bandmate, Cody, um, turned me on to the fact that they released their third album. And he said it was really good. And, uh, and it was even from the band name, I was like, I feel like I've heard them, but I'm not sure. And then once I looked up their discography, I was like, oh, yes, I've heard that debut. The debut was called Lore of the Lakes. And uh, I remember really enjoying that. So, yes, I still haven't checked out the second album, but uh, at Cody's urging, I checked out this third album. It's called Equinox Vigil, and that came out on June 17th of this year through... Uh, I've never known how to pronounce this label. It's G-I-L-E-A-D. So I want to say, like, Gilead? 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 I'm not sure. Somebody tell me. I don't know how to pronounce that one. It's not a hard word, but there's just different ways I could say that. <laughs> I don't know which one's the right one. Uh, but yeah, it came out through them, through that label, and um, it's really good. It is. It's really good. The cover art draws you in because it's a lot brighter colors than you typically see from uh, bands in this kind of subgenre, but um, real bright, very, gives you kind of the feel of, of autumn, um, but really good guitar work and really good songs, and uh, so yes, if you're like me and you've kind of forgotten about them or slept on them for a while, um, get back into this. Check out this third album because it's really good. Uh, so here we go, off of the new album, Equinox Vigil. This is Inexorum with Secret Language.
Alright, there we go. That was Inexorum from Minnesota with Secret Language. Um, yeah, that's that's really, really good. Really well executed. Um, I need to go back and check out the second album because the debut was great. Third album's great. I can only assume the second album is just as good. Uh, so I need to get on that. Alright, we're going... Staying in the USA actually for a while here. <laughs> There's a lot of American bands on this episode. Uh, we're going to Chicago, Illinois here. This band originally existed from 93 to 07, and then uh, they reformed in 2015 with a slightly altered lineup, and uh, they're still going now. That band is Usurper, and they're <laughs> they're a tricky band for me because uh, I have a backstory with them. But um, basically they're thrash but sometimes they kind of have a little more extreme, you know, tendencies with their vocals and even some of the drum beats and stuff they choose. Um, so yeah, they're kind of semi-blackened thrash, but really they're mostly just thrash. But they dress like straight up, uh, you know, Judas Priest uh, in the early 80s, leather and chains and spikes and stuff. And um, no corpse paint, none of that type stuff. They're not, you know, they're still a thrash band at heart here. But um, my story with them is the first time I went to Oslo for the Inferno Festival in 2006. Uh, they played on the first night, I believe it was, but it was just by sheer coincidence that uh, it was me and my friend Chris that went. And on the plane ride to Oslo, uh, we had a stopover in probably New Jersey, usually Newark. And they were on the plane, and they sat right behind us, and they were a, a nightmare. <laughs> like they were amusing, they were entertaining for sure, but they were just like the quintessential rock and roll band that uh, thinks the rules don't apply to them, I guess. And so people are trying to sleep and stuff on the plane, and uh, they're just laughing and, and kept ordering alcohol. And I felt bad for the bass player at the time because he was just wanting to get some sleep. He's resting his eyes on the plane and stuff. And anytime he would fall asleep, somebody would jump in his lap, or they, you know, uh, spread, you know, dip their fingers in their drink and flick it at him to, you know, get water on his face and wake him up. And he was just getting pissed off. And um, I remember at the end of the flight, or not the end of the flight, but the the next morning, because I believe it was like an overnight type flight. Um, they all kind of woke up. And the bass player flagged down the flight attendant and asked for a Jack Daniels. And she said, sure. And then two of the other guys were like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And she said, no. And they're like, what? And she's like, I'm not bringing you guys any Jack Daniels. And they were like, why? And then she says, she points to the bass player and she said, because he was the only one that behaved himself the entire night. So then she walked off and they're all looking at each other like they just got in trouble in school or whatever. Just like, ooh, you know. And so that was pretty funny. But then on the way home, three days later, they were on the same flight, and they were one row behind us. Like, again, it was just insane how that worked out. So they were behind us on the flight home, and uh, here's one thing that stands out to me. Because for the most part, they were exhausted and just slept on the, on the flight back. But before we took off, um, flight attendants making the rounds up and down the aisle to make sure seatbelts are on and stuff... So she could tell that they were in a metal band, and she starts talking to the guitar player, like, oh, are you in a band? What's the name of your band? And uh, so he's trying his best. He's working his, his game on this uh, flight attendant. And she says, oh, I used to be into metal when I was younger. And he's like, oh, you know, who were you into? And she's like, Iron Maiden. And, you know, and he's like, oh, well, you know, a lot of people say that I'm like 
the Steve Harris of uh, of uh, heavy metal, except uh, or of this band. He's like, I'm the Steve Harris of this band, except I play guitar. And she's like, Oh, good for you, you know. And she's like, Well, see you later, and walks away. And all of his bandmates are just like, you know, bust out laughing, like the fucking Steve Harris of this band, you know. He's like, Whatever, guys, shut up, you know. It was just funny listening to them bust his balls, but um, they were definitely definitely some good on-flight entertainment um but their performance at the fest was actually really good i had heard them before simply because being such a big king diamond fan i knew that he did some guest vocals on their oh fourth album i want to say it was third or fourth album he did some guest vocals in like the chorus of one of their songs so that prompted me to check them out um but since then they had had a change of vocalists they got this guy danny lawson uh on vocals for this album uh called crypto beast and it was a bit heavier, it was a bit ballsier, thicker production, um, just heavier songs, and um, I, th- I thought it was a really good record, I actually like his vocals a little bit better than their original guy. So uh, they've got six albums now, since they reformed in 2015, they got a slightly different lineup, they still have Danny Lawson on vocals, uh, but they released one, I can't remember what it's called, um, it just came out maybe a couple years ago. But yeah, for a while there, this one, Crypto Beast, was the last one they had done. Came out in February of 05 through Earache Records. And yeah, it might be, it might just be my favorite of theirs. I'm not like a super big fan of, of Usurper, but they're good for what they are. Um, but yeah, of their discography, this one's uh, my favorite. So uh, here for these crazy jet setters, Usurper, off of their album Crypto Beast, this is Return of the Werewolf. Right. 
was Usurper from Chicago with Return of the Werewolf. It should be noted that the well-behaved bass player that was on the flight in 2006 uh, is no longer in the band. I think he was doing some live bass for uh, Noctmistium for a bit and then uh, I forget what else but uh, that was kind of the last I'd seen that guy. But uh, yeah they're starting to play shows again and like I said they just released uh, an album a couple years ago as kind of their you know return all right, we're going to New Jersey here in the U.S. of A. This is a three-piece band that, as far as I can tell, only just got going this year. Um, friend of mine, friend of Krigsgrove, uh, old Mike from Windfarer. Um, really good dude, excellent musician. Uh, he plays in Windfarer and Replicant, and he reached out to me and said, Hey, doing this new project uh, with uh, Andrew Hernandez and uh, Mike, I think his name is Mike Hill. Uh, guys from Tombs, basically, and um, they're doing this kind of more experimental black metal project called Scorpion Throne, and he was telling me about it and uh, just said, you know, wondering if you wouldn't mind playing it on your on your podcast, that would be cool. So I said, well, let me check it out. So checked it out on their Bandcamp page. Actually, it's the Bandcamp page uh, of their um, label. So uh, in case you're looking for it, it's on the Everything Went Black um Bandcamp page. That's the name of the the label. So I checked it out. It's just an EP. Um, it's just the Roman numeral one, um, and it came out on July 18th, so it's still very fresh. But um, it's short and sweet. It's really good. It's really good. So uh, I was kind of having a hard time picking, you know, which one to uh, to play on the podcast. But I ultimately decided to uh, to play the opening cut. I think there's a lot of good variety going on. Uh, in that song and it kind of represents their overall sound uh, the best vocals are different uh, it's not your run-of-the-mill you know black metal shrieks and stuff like that he's got a different different tone to his voice 
Uh, the riffing is definitely unique. Um, kind of has flashes of like the better albums of the band uh, Code. I'm not sure if you guys remember Code. It's kind of an international project with some Norwegian people and a couple of British people and you know um, some heavy hitters from the black metal scene but yeah they kind of formed this uh, avant-garde you know project but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit so hopefully they view that as a compliment. <laughs> but yes always happy to share uh, some new music from friends of mine because frankly they're all damn good musicians so off of their one EP, this is Scorpion Throne with track number one.
All right. That was Scorpion Throne with song number one, Roman numeral one, off of their uh, EP of the same title. That's uh, through Everything Went Black Media. So yes, uh, go ahead and check that out on uh, on the Bandcamp page. It's nice and cheap. You can purchase the individual tracks or the entire digital EP. So show your support and go buy it. Uh, all right, staying in the USA, although this one's a bit of an international project right here out of the USA and Norway. It's a two-piece that's been going since 2012, and I never knew a damn thing about it. So it's a two-piece doom band uh, featuring Chad Davis from uh, Hour of 13, which I really enjoy that project. Um, ever since he took over vocals for it, it's not as good to me, um, but it's still, you know, it's still very good. Um, retro doom but yes he's doing this project with a female singer from Norway whose name is escaping me now of course that I'm on the spot but the band is called the Sabathian and um, they released an EP in 2014 and then they did the debut album in January of 2019 and that's kind of the last thing they've done uh, up to this point the album is called Latum Alterum and that came out through Svart Records and it's good. Like, of course it's going to be good. The guy writes excellent uh, Doom music. And the only thing that was kind of ho holding me back from liking some of the newer Hour of 13 stuff, uh, it was his vocals. And his vocals aren't bad. They're just very generic. There's nothing really unique or special or memorable about them. They're just kind of there. So the fact that this is his music with a more charismatic singer, in this in case a female singer, singing over it, um, it's really good. I mean... That's all he needs is uh, a good singer, and it's it's going to be good every time. So yes, um, like I said, this band's been around for 10 years. Never heard anything about them until I was listening to Hour of 13 just last week, and um, this was a very late addition to the episode because I was listening to them last week and just kind of went into the rabbit hole a little bit on Metal Archives because I couldn't remember this guy's name. I had to look it up and see what else he's doing. So yeah, I saw this band name in there. And checked it out and I was like wow that's actually really good I had no idea so yes this is another one of those uh, new discoveries that I just kind of got excited and threw it on the list and I want to share it with you <laughs> so hopefully you guys are into it so here we go off of their debut album Latum Alterum this is the Sabathian with the brightest light
Alright. That was the Sabathian from the USA and Norway, collectively, with the brightest light. Yeah, I dig that. I even get some kind of Burzum vibes from the production, mostly. It's mostly the guitar tone that kind of has, like, the, the fuzz of the guitar is reminiscent to some of the old Burzum stuff. Um, but yeah, I really like that album. That was a nice new discovery for me. Uh, Alright, we're going to Norway here for this next one. This band... Never heard of them. They <laughs> they existed from 05 to 2010, and then they uh, resurrected in 2015, and they're still going right now. It's a three-piece band featuring a former guitar player from 1349. The band's called Svart Elder, and that's all one word. And their debut came out in 2016, so that initial period of uh, 2005 to 2010 really only yielded a demo. Um, it wasn't until they kind of got this second version of it going in 2015 that they finally released a debut in 2016. And uh, they just released their second album called Pits on, it's uh, a nice hard P, really testing this pop filter right now. Uh, but yeah, Pits came out in January of 2019 through Dusk Tone Records, who I've heard of before. I want to say they released uh, a Cold album, which I really enjoy that band a lot. Uh, but yeah, this... I don't even know how I came across it, probably through a Facebook group of some sort that just kind of randomly shared this album with a little question of, like, who else loves this record, or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, sometimes if one catches my eye that I've never heard of, or the cover art looks pretty cool, I'll check it out just to see. And uh, so yeah, once I saw this featured a former member of 1349, I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And uh, it's good. It's not mind-blowing or anything, but it is good black metal with good, clear production. Uh, and some fairly interesting guitar work going on there. It definitely does not sound like uh, 1349 Part 2. Uh, it definitely has an identity all its own. And they do sound pretty big for a three-piece, you know, much in the way that like Immortal did for years, where it just sounds super full and thick and heavy uh, from a three-piece band, and uh, this kind of has a similar vibe going on there. But definitely unique, but uh, still doesn't quite blow me away, but I thought it was interesting enough to share with you all. Since there are a lot of 1349 fans out there, I figured you, if you haven't heard this band, you might uh, take some interest in this. So here we go, off of their 2019 album, Pits. This is Svart Elder with Part 5.
right, that was Svart Elder with part five from their album Pits. Um, see what I mean? It's, you know, very pristine and punchy and kind of has some Dark Funeral vibes to it a little bit. Like newer Dark Funeral vibes. Um, tasteful use of the keyboards and everything. It's fairly interesting, but it doesn't quite blow my mind. But uh, I definitely don't regret checking it out, that's for sure. Uh, Alright, we're going to Norway, or staying in Norway, I guess I should say, for this next one. They've been around since 2013. They're called Vanvid, which means madness. And they kind of have a folky vibe going on, not quite to the uh, energetic levels of uh, a band like Fintroll or something like that. Uh, it's a little more kind of fluid than that, but uh, definitely you can, I mean, you can hear the folky vibes right out of the gate, I'm sure, but uh, they released a couple of full lengths in 2016 and 2021. I'm going to play something off of their uh, most recent EP that I came across. I don't remember where. Um, pro I think it was on uh, Spotify, actually, as uh, like a similar artist or whatever to somebody I was listening to, and I just happened to see uh, some cover art with a big ugly troll face on it, so I was like, okay, I will check this out. And it's, you know, it's not something I'll listen to a ton. It's not something I'll go back to all the time, but uh, I thought it was fun. I thought they'd do a pretty good job of this style, so I wanted to share it. But they released this new EP on June 10th called Love Dance, which means, like, barn barn dance. And uh, they released it independently. I'm not sure. I meant to look up if their full lengths were released uh, through labels or if they've done everything independently for their whole career. I'm not sure, but they released this EP independently. And it's pretty short, um, but it's it's interesting for sure. If you're a fan of anything folky at all, uh, go ahead and check it out. I think you'll be into it. So I'm going to play the title track here. So off of their new EP, this is Van Vid with Love Dance. Oh, 
yeah, I'm not really sure what that is at the end there. But that was Van Vid with Love Dance off of their EP of the same name. Uh, as I said, they released that independently, so if you want to get it, I'm sure you'd have to uh, visit their Bandcamp page. Uh, all right, we're going back to the USA here out of South Carolina. Not exactly a hotbed for well-known uh, death metal bands. But this band has been around since 93, and they are uh, among the most popular, I would say. That band is Nile, and um, I enjoy Nile, some albums more than others. Kind of starts to sound the same after a while, but um, but yes, a lot of people have, uh, have kind of written them off since they've had the uh, pretty drastic lineup changes over the last few years. Their last album, Vile Nilotic Rites, um, was good, but not great, and it has nothing to do with the vocals or the guitar playing of the new guy. Um, I want to say his name is Brian, I think, the new um, guitar player and singer. But it's more the songwriting. Uh, Dallas, the former singer, um, his songs, I think, were just better. They were more memorable. So I'm curious, you know, first album with the new singer is one thing, but now I want to see what they do with the next album and see if it's going to be a step in the right direction or not. But, um, yeah, the reason I'm playing Nile is because I just saw a post from them this past week that... Um, talked about uh, Ithophallic being, it was an anniversary of when that one came out, which was, God, when, uh, was it 15 years ago? So that would have been 2007, 8, 2007. I think it was 2007. But anyways, it was an anniversary for that album, so it made me go back and listen to that. Uh, and then after that, I just kind of carried on listening to some others. And uh, this is one... An album that I maybe didn't give uh, its fair due when it came out. I didn't give it its fair attention. Uh, no real reason. I probably just had other things that I was paying attention to. But uh, the album is Those Whom the Gods Detest. So you'd think, with there being anniversary and all that, I'd play something off of Ithophallic. But um, the more I really, really paid attention to this album, the more um, it grew on me into one of my favorites of their whole discography. Um, the production is one of the best productions they've had. They've always been a band that's had weird productions, like Annihilation of the Wicked sounds great, Ithophallic sounds meh, and then Those Whom the Gods Detest sounds great, as does uh, the next one, which was what, In the Gates of Sethu or something like that? But then they released one after that that sounded terrible, <laughs> so, which was something that should not be unearthed or something like that. I can't remember what that one was called, but the production was awful on that one. So it's, they're kind of all over the place, but this was probably their best production and uh, had some of their best songs on there. Uh, Kafir is one that they play live all the time. That one's probably the, the biggest one off of this album. But this one, to me, is uh, really catchy, really memorable, and uh, I like this tune a lot. So the album, Those Whom the Gods Detest, came out in 09 through Nuclear Blast. It was their sixth album out of uh, nine is what they're up to now. So here we go, off of that album, this is Nile with Utterances of the Crawling Dead.
That was Nile with Utterances of the Crawling Dead. Um, yeah, to me, that song is just as catchy as a song like uh, Lashed to the Slave Stick off of uh, Annihilation of the Wicked. And um, I need to hear it live. What can I say? I've seen them live a couple of times, two or three times, I think. Um, most recently was maybe three years ago. And um, that was with the new singer is when I saw them um, last. And they were really good. They still got it, you know what I mean? They just lost their bass player, which is, I think his name was Brad Paris. Uh, really good bass player, had a good energy on stage, seemed to really jive with the other guys on stage really well, uh, really good backing vocals. So yeah, that's a bit of a loss uh, for them, but um, I'm sure they'll find a good replacement. All right, we're going to Scotland here. This is a black metal band that's been going since 2013. Um, I really didn't know much about them until recently. Um, they're called Lunar Mantra, and I haven't heard their first EP that came out in 2015, um, but they just released their second EP, so there's a pretty pretty good gap there. No full lengths at this time, uh, but the second EP just came out independently in 2020 uh, called Psychosomatica, and... It's basically, the songs are fairly lengthy, not drastically so, um, but it's just very dissonant, avant-garde black metal without being so avant-garde that you can't get into it, you know what I mean? They still um, stick to traditional structure for the most part, but like just the, the riffs themselves kind of have a lot of, uh, of dissonance to them, and they're really super dark and all that. But the production suits the music perfectly, and... Um, Typically, I just don't really hear this kind of stuff coming out of Scotland, so that kind of makes it more interesting to me as well, is that uh, it's a band that kind of um, doesn't really fit, you know, the typical sound of other extreme metal bands you hear coming from that country. So, definitely interesting. So, uh, if you dig this, check out the rest of the EP, because it is equally as good. So, here we go, off of the Psychosomatica EP from 2020. This is Lunar Mantra with Exothic Pyres.
Alright, that was Lunar Mantra from Scotland with Azothic Pyres. Um, I think that's really good, and uh, I haven't checked out the debut EP from 2015, but I, I, it's on the agenda, because uh, the Psychosomatica EP is, uh, is quite good. Uh, Alright, I don't typically do two songs of like really similar styles back to back, and it was kind of unintentional this time, but uh, it is what it is. We're going to Chile for this next one. Uh, this band's been going since 01, and I admittedly uh, had not heard of them until very recently because they released a single that happened to come across, uh, I think it was on my Spotify little release radar uh, playlist that they you know make for you. Um, and yes, yeah, Spotify decided that I might like this new single from this band, and I did. Uh, the band's called... I'm going to try my best here because they're from Chile, but this band name looks like German or Dutch or something like that, but it's Hetrotzen, Hetrotzen, it's H-E-T-R-O-E-R-T-Z-E-N, Hetrotzen, something like that. But they're a three-piece band, and like I said, they've been going for 20 years, 21 years, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of ashamed to say I've never heard of them before, but... um, they released seven records, and uh, their newest one is going to be coming out on September 16th of this year, so it's not out yet. Uh, their last one came out in 2017, so there's been a pretty good uh, gap here between albums. But new album's going to be called Phosphorus Volume 1, and that's coming out through Listenable Records, but they released the first single off of it. Uh, the artwork for the single, no idea if it's the artwork for the album or if it was just for the single, but uh, it's pretty awesome. Production's good. Um, this kind of falls in line kind of like Lunar Mantra. It's not quite, you know, avant-garde, but it is very dissident and very dark. Um, There's that band uh, that my friend Dave introduced me to when I was in uh, Seattle last year called Theotoxin, and um, it kind of has some vibes of that to me a little bit. But um, this is a cool single, and, you know, they got seven records, or six records. They will have seven in September. But, uh, yeah, there's six records out there for me to check out, and I haven't done it yet, so um, that's on the agenda as well, because I really like this single, so I want to hear what else they've done. So here we go, off of their upcoming album, Phosphorus, Volume 1. This is uh, Hetrotzen with I Am Sickness, I Am Death. Yeah. 
right. That was Hetrotsin from Chile. I'm sure I'm just reeking of confidence when I say that band name. But that was their uh, new single, I Am Sickness, I Am Death, and I think it is excellent. So uh, I definitely need to check out some of their back catalog, considering they've been around for 20 years and I somehow have not heard of them. But it is that time for me to announce the final song of the episode. I, of course, want to thank everybody for listening, and thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Uh, if you want to tell them where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app, and the uh, catalog of episodes is also on Spotify. Uh, any sort of uh, complaints, <laughs> concerns requests feedback anything like that you can email me at blood and fire radio at gmail.com um and of course please find and like the facebook page because any sort of updates or um you know questions poll questions for you guys the audience things like that uh it's all going to be posted there so find it there and like the page and um yes as i said the next episode 124 should be out in a couple of weeks and it will be part two of that in memoriam episode uh, which is an episode where each band that i play has lost some sort of a key member uh and most of those bands have continued on maybe some of them haven't but um but yeah it's they've suffered some sort of a big loss um so there was just too many to to contain on one episode last time so uh doing a part two of that in two weeks you can look forward to that all right going to the beach this week with my son and my sister and her kids and my mother going for my mother's birthday so yes fingers crossed that i do not uh lose a limb to a shark or something of course that's uh it's not going to happen, but that's just how I think. I'm going to get bitten by a shark, stung by a jellyfish, something. Brain-eating amoeba. Something's coming my way. We know it. Um, all right. This last song, we're going to Switzerland here. This band has been active since 08, but I use the term active very loosely because they have been very dormant <laughs> for the last few years. The band is Trypticon, and Trypticon formed... Out of the ashes of Celtic Frost, uh, of course, whenever that kind of dissolved, and old uh, Tom Fisher there, Tom G. Warrior, whenever he kind of threw the ultimatum down and said, listen, you're either siding with our drummer or you're siding with me, and then Martin uh, from Celtic Frost just didn't really want to commit one way or the other, so Tom just said, well, that's it, and I'm out of here. So he, uh, he used all of his music that he was saving for uh, another Celtic Frost album, and he used it for the debut uh, Trypticon album, which was good. Um, but, you know, it was good, but it didn't blow me away. Um, but it got a lot of really positive feedback. Uh, I mean, one of the bands I was in uh, back then, around like 2010, 2011, uh, black metal band Ophian, that was our first ever gig, was uh, opening for Trypticon in 1349 at, uh, at this big theater in Fort Worth here, and that was an awesome show. Um, but yes, you know, I mean, Tom, Tom is a hugely important figure, so everybody's going to pay attention to anything he releases, but, uh, they've kind of tapped the brakes on Trypticon just because he's been doing that kind of Hellhammer, like Triumph of Death, um, band, which is kind of some different members, but it's just playing like Hellhammer material. So he's been doing that for, at festivals for the last couple of years, and, um, you know, Trypticon hasn't really been doing a whole lot. They lost their drummer, he ended up leaving, um... 
and they now have uh, Hannes Grossman, who is way overqualified to play in that band. Like, there's nothing really uh, tricky going on in Trypticon at all. Of course, just because Hannes can play very technical stuff doesn't mean he has to all the time, of course. But yeah, he's definitely uh, has skills way beyond uh, what is needed to play in Trypticon. But um, but I'm going to play something off of their second album, which I really didn't give uh, its proper due when it came out. Um, I gave it a listen a few times and then just kind of moved on and haven't really gone back. But I went back recently uh, to check out both albums, because they only have those two albums uh, up to this point. Debut was in 2010, and then this one was in 2014. But um, they're both really good. There's a lot of stuff on this second one that I just kind of didn't pay that much attention to back then that I enjoy it more now uh, when I revisit it. So the album is called Melana Kasmata, and that came out in April of 2014 through Century Media, and uh, they're still signed to Century Media, but I really have not heard any buzz or talks about um, if a third album is in the works or if it's already written or, you know, no idea. So hopefully they got more in the tank because it is a cool band and it's just cool to see uh, Tom you know still putting music out and all that so but this one uh, definitely stood out as a favorite from this record for me so it felt like a good album closer not album closer episode closer um, so yes I'll see you guys in two weeks stay safe let's uh, let's all cross our fingers that I don't get eaten by some sort of sea creature and, uh, <laughs> and I'll see you in two weeks so off of Milana Casmata this is Trypticon with Altar of Deceit. Cheers.
Yes, 